you're all geeks. It's not just me. In this crazy world we live in, when people use the word geek, it can create certain impressions. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream. Let's learn about the real people behind the stereotype. I'm your super dummy Paul. This is Geek. I'm Aidan, Aidan from Chaotic Comics and Crafts. I sort of go to markets and events, sort of East Midlands, sort of Nottingham, Derby, Loughborough, a little bit further afield. I went to the Strawberry Fair in Cambridge a couple of years ago. So I just have loads of graphic novels, some old comics, bit of art, um, and uh, people come and have a look and buy. In my other life, I don't know, most people have never heard of assistive technology, but basically uh, technology uh, approaches to help disabled people or older people. Um, so I've had a bit of a checkered life. I, I started fixing communication aids. It's the thing that Stephen Hawkins used to used to talk for himself, that sort of thing. So I, I, I used to fix them when people puked on them or, or whatever, you know, or, or spilt drinks on them. Things happen or they, they get dropped or broken. So I start fixing them. Um, but now I do more things like uh, working with people who've got autism, people with mental health problems. And it's, it's, a, it's a product, you know, but basically it's something, an app to help people uh, keep on top of things. So if they're feeling stressed, it just reminds them, Go off and listen to some music. Go and watch the television for a bit. Go and you know, go and do something nice. Don't feel under pressure all the time, just to get them back on track. So that's predominantly what I do now. Uh, used to do a lot of driving, but obviously because of COVID, I, I'm now doing it all uh, streaming Microsoft Teams, which is brilliant because I'm not so knackered with the driving. It, I mean, it is a, I, I enjoy it. I mean, there there are some frustrations to it, but. Um, Generally, I, I, you know, I, I did a teaching diploma year, well, probably about ten or twelve years ago, and I'm better. I'm probably better at people who who really want to help themselves. Sometimes you come across people who've got, they've got, you know, they've got multiple issues, they've got multiple problems to try and overcome, and basically, um, they need more help. If you see what I mean, you know, and 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 somebody else, sometimes you know, I can do it sometimes, but sometimes it's it's a bit of a challenge. But um, to see somebody succeed and go on, you know, that's the reward, apart from getting paid, obviously, as well. I was thinking about geek. I actually looked it up online to sort of get definitions of, you know, there are loads of them. And, but one of them is an unfashionable or socially inept person. And I thought, yeah, there's a bit of that yeah, with me. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and then the other one was a knowledgeable and obsessive enthusiast. And I thought, yeah, there's a bit of me in there, you know. When I was a kid, uh, we only had three or four channels on the television, which meant everything that we saw uh, was available. You know, and it was your Doctor Who's, your Star Trek's, your Survivors, your Thunderbirds, Book Rogers, or whatever the heck it was. So television, as well as historical things and dramas and all the rest of it, there was a lot of science fiction. There was a lot of fantasy stuff on the television that was accessible. 
and my dad had always got his head in a book and a lot of it was uh you know your michael moorcox your tolkien's your i don't know asimov and arthur c clark and all that sort of stuff so it was fairly natural that when you're in a house and there's books everywhere and you you see your dad you start copying that and you and you start to read um so and then you know comics wise i i probably you know, would be a Beano reader or the Dandy, as most British kids, even now, you know, will start with something like, the, you know, the Beano. And then along came this comic called Mighty World of Marvel. So it's it was the reprint of uh, the American Marvel comics. And they'd have the Hulk in there and Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four to start with. And a bit later, Spider-Man got his own title. But that was my, my sort of introduction to sort of American comics you know superheroes and, and and so on and and i and i loved them you know and i loved that so i got the the books that i enjoyed reading i was always in the library it was a bit of a bookworm like my dad um but my dad also read historical novels and, and westerns and whatever so i got you know i got a good good grounding but when you're a kid i think you do love or i love the fantasy stuff and um my brothers who were quite a bit older than me used to rip the piss out of me something rotten because one of them was really sporty and played in the local youth team, um, you know, sort of the, the, the town youth team. And uh, the other one was a massive fan of Conan and like like Bruce Lee, and he loved aiming sort of kung fu kicks at my head and that sort of thing. Don't move, you know, sort of stuff. You know what older brothers do. They had their own little world and I had mine. I enjoyed reading, and when I was at school, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. That, that's what I did. But the teachers, because you're immersed in sort of science fiction or whatever it is, the teacher said, oh, you know, don't you think you ought to be writing about people holding hands and friendships? And I'm writing about spaceships and bombs going off and what have you. But I wrote a lot because the stuff I read, I enjoyed very, very much. A lot later, along comes 2000 AD, and that was punk and sarcastic and funny and bitter and violent and all these things that when you're 12 years old or, or so, I absolutely adored it because it was so different from the American comics or the reprint comics that I was reading where everybody's full of angst and, and but sort of quite nice. And then you've got, you know, in 2008, you've got Judge Dredd kicking the shit out of everybody because he's the law and you've got Bill Savage shooting lots of Volgans invading Britain. And, and, you know, everything about it was violent and exaggerated and cartoony, and I absolutely adored it. And the thing is, even my brothers liked it because it was sarcastic and, and, and a bit hard-edged, you know, for, for a kid's comic. About that time, my brother was living in London. I used to go down to see him uh, in London, sometimes on my own and sometimes, you know, with, with, with my dad or, or, you know, my other brother. Um, and he used to take me to, I'm going to sound very old now, but there was the first comic shop in the UK, I think, or, or part of it. Um, and it was, I'm trying to remember the name of it, Dog They Were and Golden Eyed. And that was on in Wardour Street, St Anne's Court off, off, off Wardour Street. And downstairs was all the comics and all that stuff. And I think upstairs there would be all the fantasy stuff and a bit of, I didn't realise occult stuff. I didn't know, obviously when you're 12, you don't notice that sort of stuff. But, you know, sort of cutting edge, a bit, a bit, you know, a bit left of centre stuff. Uh, but my dad also loved it because he could pick up his 
sort of Shannara or whatever the heck he liked, you know, because he, he, he was still reading and buying all this stuff. So to me, what you might call geek culture uh, is just a natural thing because I got it a bit from my dad. I got it a bit from one of my brothers. I, you know, going down to London, seeing this place, you know, and if you're living in a, what what was then a, a you know, fairly largest provincial town somewhere in the Midlands, you don't get that. Uh, so from my experience, a lot of the kids were probably more interested in Coronation Street, which bored the tits off me, if you'll excuse the expression. You know, what wasn't for me, it just wasn't, you know, and, and they didn't like the fantasy stuff. They liked the slice of life stuff. When you're older, you start to appreciate if slice of life stuff is written well, you know, that, that you can read it and you can enjoy it. So, you know, it was all, that was all I knew, you know, was was the television was full of, full of, full of science fiction. I could buy comics that I enjoyed. My dad liked reading fantasy stuff or sci- sci-fi classic stuff and, and otherwise. So I always had my head in a book or in a comic, you know, I was a bit geeky, if you want to call it like that. I also got in a little bit as time went on, as you get into your into your teens, I did get a little bit of that, what you might call a collector obsession or collector mania, where you're buying everything in sight that you can get your hands on. And I did that for quite a long time. But for me, I think it's always been more important that I read something I enjoyed. For example, uh, although I could read Spider-Man, a lot of it was about teens. And when you're seven or eight years old, you don't want to, you don't know what teen is. And when you're a teen, you'd, well, for me, I thought, I don't want to be a teen. I want to be out of here. To read about a character who had all the teen angst, some people will love it. And I, I wasn't so keen. I like the Fantastic Four and the, the escapism of it all, you know, the, the, which was more science fiction, I think, than uh, the Spider-Man slice of life stuff. But I did still collected stuff and I still bought the British Marvels and the different ones. And I started to buy probably in 14 or 15 more the the American comics that were sent over. Um, and it was a it was difficult because news agents got what they got or paper shops got what they got. So I'd, I'd have to travel around quite a lot of different places within my hometown just to get what I wanted. And then the next month you wouldn't get it. And a month after that, you wouldn't. And then, so you, you collecting it in them days was a was was a difficult process, and and uh, you were always missing issues. They're all key issues that they didn't print or they didn't send over to the UK. When I got it, sort of, you know, into my late teens, then you've got a bit of money because I'm I'm earning, and I became aware, I think, probably, um, you know, that there were people like um, Alan Moore. I'm, I'm sure nobody's ever heard of him. He's just such a minor writer. Um, and he started doing stuff for British Marvel, the Captain Britain stuff, and then started doing uh, work for DC, Swamp Thing, as people will, will be aware of. Um, and I had never bought a DC comic, I don't think, in my life, because all I knew was Marvel comics and the reprints. So it got me onto that track. So I started to read uh, Swamp Thing and uh, enjoyed it because it was just so different. And then um, I think it came along. I can't remember what year it is. I think it's 1985, I think. Uh, They did the Crisis on Infinite Earth thing, DC, and that actually sucked me in. It was a very clever, clever way of getting readers in. 
because it, in them days there were all these multiple Earths and Earth whatever, where it was full of comic characters uh, that were actually animals dressed as superheroes or God knows what. And I didn't know what the heck was going on, but that was the way to step on to understand. And I started to read other stuff. And they revamped Superman and I actually enjoyed it. I was sort of John Byrne. Um, so in that way, I probably am a geek because I, but I read this stuff because I enjoyed it. I didn't collect it because just because of the character or just because of the writer. I did it, got the issues and bought it regularly because I enjoyed it. I think that the best comics aren't necessarily about men with rays flashing out of their eyes. It's about humans talking, fighting, forgiving, getting angry at each other, having punch-ups and, and whatever it is. That That's more more interesting as a reader, as me sort of developing more as a writer to write things myself, is that humans fight, fighting, falling out, loving, whatever, is a lot more interesting than uh, men dressed in spandex. But, you know, it's a variant on it, on, you know, what humans do, just with people that can kick the shit out of skyscrapers, basically. And and so I, I read them, and there were all the titles I, you know, I read both Marvel and DC, and then I think around that time the Miracle Man or the Marvel Man stuff came along as well, the Warrior. So I read that quite regularly, and you know, as I bore everybody senseless about, I used to work at Marks and Spencer's on the Saturday till till half past five, and I change out of my uniform quickly and go racing off to this to newsagent to get my two thousand AD and the latest copy of Warrior, you know, to to keep me busy for the weekend. Apart from going out on the piss, obviously on the Saturday night, and again it's the Alan Moore stuff, and it's all this challenging stuff that that thought provoking. It's more adult. It's it's less. Um, which is why I didn't like the DC stuff originally, because they, they were very clean cut and they were very nice. And they were very agreeable. And, and that's less interesting when you get older. Um, but, you know, still still really enjoying it, reading it, collecting stuff. But then you get into the the, the serious world. And I, I went to university quite late. So obviously you're, you're in the days of, uh, you know, this is be probably before student loans, but you still ended up owing quite a lot of money at the end of it. You got you got your fees paid, and that was about it. And um, I couldn't really afford it. Now, and, and I had to make sort of a thirty mile sort of journey on the train to get to a comic shop, to you know, in order to to do it. So I did I did it less. I sort of went and splurged, and, and I had a, when I got a little bit of money, and when I got to the end of of studying, you get the ultimate reward of unemployment. You don't have any money, you know. You sort of think, oh, "I'd love to buy this. I'd love to get that." You start to slightly fall away because there are the other pressures, there are other things. And when I, you know, when I got work later, and when I, you know, at one stage I was earning quite good, I was able to go, like living in London, to go to you know Forbidden Planet in the middle of London or all the different comic shops. But I found that something had gone a little bit. So it's around 1996, 1998, and 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 I, if anybody of, of my vintage or remembers the mid 90s, that's the that's the age of multiple covers, where there's six or seven or eight or I don't know what variants of covers, and I know I'm just thinking, you know, comic companies, you're taking the piss. This is the days of Marvel going bankrupt, I think, and then 
desperately trying to re- get money, get money in. And the quality of the stuff wasn't so good and the variant covers and all that sort of what I what I would think of as, as crap. So you, you start to, again, you start to step back a little bit more. Um, so in the end, I, I really wasn't reading anything. And, um, you know, my 2000 AD reading was probably going in the, in the in WH Smith and having a quick read. And I kept my eye on things. And occasionally I'd go into to Forbidden Planet, but it's it didn't have the, the, the pull that, that it had, really. And I was just going in, having a look, occasionally buying something. Um, but it is, a, it is an expensive hobby to have. You know, uh, you know the amount of stuff. You know, some people might want to do it. Um, we all have other things that we have to spend money on. You know, my, for me, you know, lots of cheese on toast, basically to survive. Cheese on toast and cups of coffee. Um, well, it's not as bad as that. I, I exaggerate, but uh, basically, you've got to feed yourself and you've got to pay the bills. That has become a little bit more priority, certainly in the last sort of you know ten or fifteen years. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. All work and no play makes for a dull way to live, don't you agree? Join me, Adam Ray, and a very special guest each week on the Hostile Takeover, where they and I discuss their favourite game, PC, console, board game or tabletop, whatever they decide, what we will talk about. Let gaming be the way forward. Working's too much. It's time for a Hostile Takeover, coming soon to a podcast feed near you.
Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. But it was strange. I um, go to, or I used to go to, a, a co-working space in Nottingham. Um, semi out of work, you know, doing a bit of work, uh, and I actually, uh, you know, got to know people. And 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 uh, one, you know, I said I was fed up, and you know, it's just a friend, Victoria. She just said to me, well, "In the ideal world, what would you like to do?" And I said, "Well, I really love to write." And she said, "Well, why don't you get on with it then?" So I used to go there two or three days a week, you know, there with my laptop, just, you know, this, all this stuff came out of me and ended up um, write, writing a, a book of poetry and short stories and then a novel. But the co-working space, mine I wrote in, in Nottingham D, she just said, um, we're going to do a market on a Saturday. You know, have you got anything that you want to sell? And I thought, I've got all these bloody comics. I've got tons of them. You know, it's almost the stage where, where I'm thinking, what the hell do I do with all these things? If I move house, and then, my, you know, my, my siblings are sort of saying, my brothers are saying to me, why don't you just do a big bonfire? And I'm going, well, I can't do that. I mean, I'll give them away, but I can't just you know, burn them. So I started doing these markets sort of once a month, you know, at Minor Oak. Um, some days really good, some days not so good. And actually, I, I probably sold things too cheap. I probably, you know. But, you know, people gave me money and they went away very happy. And that's fine by me. And I don't, uh, as I've said, I don't like, and this isn't a dig at people who, who are collectors in that way, I don't like just sticking stuff in a plastic bag and putting it away. I like to read it. I like to get something out of it. And then, okay, keep it, put it away somewhere safe, but get it out and have a read again in a, in a few years. Get something out of it rather than a, uh, a tick box of I've got all those issues of that. For me, I mean that you know the reading and the enjoyment of it is more more important than the collecting. Um, so I did all you know did sort of that, and then um, in that Santa Market in Nottingham, they they started doing a market once a month, and I I had a stall there um, 
for good or for ill, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. I just started to do more and more events, and I thought, well, I better have a name. You know, I thought, let's reflect yourself, Aidan, call yourself Chaotic Comics. A little bit later, I've got a friend, Ali, Alison, who, who lives near Cambridge, and I'd, I'd worked with her. She did art, and I said, can I sell some of your stuff? So a bit of art as well, you know. But so I did the Strawberry Fair in Cambridge. I did, like, sci-fi days in the place. Uh, Victorian pumping station in Nottinghamshire called Papawick Pumping Station. It's brilliant. It's like it's like something from steampunk. They have you know they have steampunk days. It's a, it's a pumping station with stained glass windows and and brass. It's it's fantastic, and lots of people come. And I met the guy who did the voice for somebody, one of the Tracy brothers out of, out of Thunderbirds. I just heard his voice and just went. God, I know who you are. Straight, but you know, you wouldn't look. It's this little guy, oddly up to my shoulder. You know, quite quite old, getting on it. But as soon as he spoke, I thought, "Yo, Scott Tracy, or whatever, whoever it was." That was probably a geeky moment, you know. But he was just a lovely bloke. You know, it's nice to chat to. And I just did all these events and and uh, and enjoyed them. And then regularly, I do one sort of the garage in Chilwell. It's the outskirts of, of Nottingham. Um. And just got more and more stuff and, and got people coming and buying. And some, I don't have many regulars, but I have some really nice people I know. Um, and they come and say, can you get me this? Can you get me that? And and I do. And sometimes it's, you know, people come along and, and these are the people that I would say the, the true geeky people. And again, not a dig because it's their money and it's their their hobby. They will come along, they'll pick up a graphic novel, they'll rotate it 360 degrees in every direction to see any dinge, any mark, any, you know, whatever. And then they'll put it down. Then they'll get their phone out and go onto Amazon, you know, and they'll and they'll check and then they'll walk away and you go, bye, oh, you bastards. I don't mean it like that because it's their money and they, they spend it as, as, as they choose. But you can't always satisfy people like that. What I tend to go for the market is not really the the the, the collector in that way. It's somebody who will walk along and go, I remember that. God, I want that. Whether it's an old 2000 AD or Dread or whatever it is, or it's a Marvel or the DC or, or whoever it is. Um, and I also do a lot of... Um, stuff that's suitable for younger kids. It's like superhero stuff, Marvel or DC, but it's it's meant for kids who are six or seven for literacy. Because I think it's really important. You know, I and I uh, there's a bit of snobbery about comics and books and whatever. If you can get a kid to read because you give him a comic and you get him going with that love of reading, I, I, I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm delighted to to do that. You know, I don't make a huge amount of money on it, but you know, I do it. And then you get the people who come along and they'll, you know, and they'll buy and they come back and they're delighted to see it. And and the one that puzzles me, because when you're, you know, we're immersed now in superhero culture with the movies and, and what have you, you'll get lots of people who have got an Iron Man T-shirt on or an Avengers T-shirt on. They don't even see me because it's a fashion statement rather than an interest in the comics or whatever they like the films and they've got the you know the the the, the you know the t-shirts or the hoodies or or whatever it is or the boots or whatever you want you want to do but it's a fashion statement rather than an interest in the characters and what they do they're not interested in me or going into a comic shop it's it's sort of alien to them you do get people 
who will aggressively try to knock you down. And I'm talking about, you know, I might sell something for 12 quid and they're getting it cheap because it should be about 16 to 16, 18 quid. Um, and they want to give me a fiver for it. And when you start, you, you know, you think, um, well, all my now are and you're taken aback. And now I'm very much, no, I don't argue about it. I just go, no. And again, this isn't necessarily people who love comics. These are people who just want to take the piss, you know, and they don't appreciate that when you, uh, you know, I talk about me and all that, please support your local comic shop if you've got one, because it, it isn't, you don't make a lot of money on comics, which is why I predominantly do graphic novels. Um, you can make a bit of money on graphic novels, but not when somebody wants to take the piss who just wants to have, you know, have you for a silly bugger. I want to be there so people can come back, you know, a couple of months later and go, you were the guy who sold me this. Can you get me this? You know, and I'm provider service, but I need to make a bit of money from it as well. It's not a charity. It's not because, you know, and I think the ones that do that are more got the idea that comics are for kids. Who's that silly arse over there, you know, selling all those comics? You know, he must be a bit sad. He must be a geek. He must be, you know, a nerd or whatever. Let's go over and take the piss a bit, you know. And they're not, they just, it's people, I think, that just want to get one over you, maybe. And it's not, it's not for the joy of the interest. I, I like dealing with people who, who, who do enjoy, you know, come over and say, can you get me this? And they'll come back and say, I really enjoyed it. Can you get me the next one now? And you build that rapport up, and you, you know, have a bit of fun. You know, you get to know people. So I've got a mate that from doing a regular market, um, Ethan, you know, lives in Leicester, and, and Ethan uh, does all the cosplay stuff. And I, I know absolutely, absolutely nothing about this stuff. And he's chatting to him, and he makes all his own stuff. He's a star, you know. And I, I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. My beer belly, you know, would stop me, stop me having to do all this. And it's, I'd just look a bit ridiculous. Um but he makes his own stuff and he goes off to, you know, the cons and all that. And they all get together and pictures and, you know, all that. And and he loves it and it's part of his life and, and he, he loves it. Uh, but getting to know somebody like that, and he's, he's quite a bit younger than me, I get to know what's cool or hot, you know, a little bit more than when you, I'm not saying how old I am, you know, um, but basically he can say to me, Go and get blah 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 because that's you know that's that's hot at the moment whatever it might be, and uh, and I I can't necessarily keep up, you know with what with what's hot you know because there's so much product out there, but he uh, you know he's he's my window into this world now, of of you know what 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 comics are out there what people are doing. There are other things, you know I do now. I don't know if they're geeky or not. You know I go walking in the Peak District because I. You know, I live relatively near, and I take my camera with me. I take lots of pictures. Is that geeky? I'm not sure if it is or not. Or is that acceptable? It's acceptable geekiness, perhaps. But it doesn't involve spandex. Well, you know, not 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 when I'm with other people. Anyway, I write. You know, um, last year's not not been great writing because getting out actually stimulates me to write. But I I would say to people again, as I was saying before, comics about literacy and reading are important. I got something out of that that made me curious about that creative process. How did they do this? How do they, 
you know, and I'd read other books and, I, you know, it's not just fantasy, but like, you, you know, you read other things. You want to know how, how it is. And about three or four years ago, I I did a class in Nottingham College. The two guys uh, doing it were brilliant. And uh, one of them is, he's a mad, uh, in a mark, he's a, he's a mad uh, comics fan. And he was another reason when, uh, you know, I sort of got back into the fold a little bit. Oh, do you like this? Oh, you know about that, you know. Um, very keen, but loves all the stuff, buys tons of it every month, you know, bit more than I would, but nevertheless, I still still have a bit of an interest. But um, I think it's it's quite okay, and I wouldn't see it as being terribly geeky to watch a, a DC or a Marvel film and enjoy it and, you know, to think, oh, I, I quite like that, I enjoyed it. You know, um, why, why not? I, I, is, it, is it a terrible problem? To, um, to you know, to watch a film that's got superheroes kicking the shite out of each other, or whatever coming out their eyes, you know, who cares? You know, flashing rays or you know, X-ray vision or whatever, whatever you want to do. I I don't see don't see a problem from, but that's my background because, as I said a little bit earlier, I'm, I'm fairly immersed in, in in all this stuff, so it's not strange or or, or different. I've also thought about writing comics at some stage. Um, so one of the uh, resources I've been looking at lately is Matt Garvey, um, who's got a Twitter account and he's also got a YouTube account and he talks through the process of creating a comic from a writer's perspective. So how to get your artist, how to get your colourist, your letterer, whoever. One of the things that's made me quite reluctant to do that in, um, from the past... Uh, I've done quite a lot of writing, whether it's academic or, or for my job, and um, you lose control of it. Whatever you've created with your enthusiasm, with your skills, somebody will take it and turn it into something else. When you're employed, that's quite justifiable, but when you've got something that, in this case, for me, would probably be more a labour of love than a, than a commercial thing, um, I want me to be in control. Um, but obviously, you've got to work with an artist who interprets what you what you've written. You've got a colorist who's going to color it to try and reflect mood and action and, and whatever's going on in the particular scenes. You've got a letterer who's going to choose a particular sort of font. You've got to edit it, manage it, um, and you've got to accept that to some degree you lose that control, and and, and that's quite tough. But it's it's basically something that would be nice to do. It'd be great to do. Um, but it's getting ready and knowing people because at the moment I'm obviously I don't know many artists. I'm sort of aware of a couple of letters, letterers and colorists that I've sort of got to know through through social media. So basically, uh, love to do it. Um, it's a case of when and where and time and, and everything else, and actually me organising myself and being a bit more committed. As far as the the writing's concerned, as I've probably already said. Um, it, in, in the house as a kid, um, my, my dad, there were books everywhere. There were newspapers. There were cartoons in newspapers, which were political. There were, um, you know, fun cartoons that engaged somebody. So when I was three or four, I'd be looking at the cartoons and the pictures in the newspapers and learning from there. But, you know, there's a political element to cartoons as well as you grow up. And a good cartoon will make you laugh. As a comic, should it should entertain you, but also get you, get you thinking as well. So I'm in the sort of house with a, with a Catholic mother, 
uh, but my, my dad had got a copy of the Communist Manifesto, and he certainly wasn't a communist. Uh, he was a self-employed builder, you know, joiner, uh, working in the building trade in, in construction, and, and, and it was work hard, make lots of money, the exact opposite from communism. But he read it because he was curious, and I read it too because I, I was curious about what, what, what this was all about. So as well as your Michael Moorcocks, there's political stuff, there's religious stuff from, from you know, I got through my mother. Um, and I appreciate all sorts of facets of that. I, I'm not particularly religious these days, and I'm certainly not that political these days. But I got a good grounding in the different spheres of the world as well, you know, which, which makes me, when I write, that, that comes out in, in different ways. As far as me being a geek or people being aware of it, um, nobody really knows apart from uh, family and close friends, and all you lot, dear listener, you now know it. Um, it's probably regarded as a bit of an eccentricity, uh, of which with me there are many, but never mind. Um, but the, selling, the fact that I now sell things makes it quite acceptable. Uh, my, you know, my family and my friends go, oh, he makes a bit of money doing this. You know, we don't know what he's doing, but but he makes money. Ka-ching, sort of thing, is, is their attitude. I do get looked at quite strangely at events sometimes. Um, quite a lot of people are attracted by the colour, you know, the stuff set up on, on the stands. Um, they'll come over. Um, and then it will be nostalgia for some people. So it'll be the Beano. So if I've got copies, old copies of the Beano, they go like hotcakes. People grab them, young and old. But then you'll get people who are, if you want to use that term again, geeky, and they will be delighted to see all this stuff and they'll chat with you and hopefully they'll buy um, once they're all I can get it for them later. Um, I've got to say that, that, that I enjoy that, you know, and I make a few bob out of it, and that's great. Um, one of my passions really doing this as well is I got a lot, as you probably gathered, out of reading comics as a kid. Um, I, I, again, think it's a terrific route to literacy. If you've got kids who, who are reluctant to read, you know, in the formal classroom sense, and I've got a, a really fantastic story when I was doing this chaotic comics thing a little bit earlier. Um, I got a little old lady literally come up to me. She must have been well into her 70s, you know. And she came up to me and she went, oh, she says, 2000 AD. And I went, yeah, she, and she says... My son, when he was at school, couldn't get him to read. He really struggled. So I happened to buy him 2000 AD to get to encourage him to read. And he started reading because it was something he understood and he loved. And she says, and 30-odd years later, he's still reading it. But he got it to read. And then she went, oh, look, she says, you've got some Hulk as well. I'll have some of them. She says, I like them as well. So not only did her son get something out of it, uh, reading, literacy, enjoyment, the pleasure of reading, which I think is del a delight to see. And it was a delight to talk to this lady um, that it had helped her son at school in an education. She'd actually got a bit of an interest in it as well. She didn't like the first Judge Dredd film at all. And she said to me, uh, Judge Dredd never takes his helmet off. So, sly, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, so, if you've got kids who like the cartoons or like the movies, if it, ex if it ignites their imagination and their lives, and it's a good thing, it's a fantastic thing. And I'm, I'm going to give you an example. This is a personal favourite of mine. 
uh, is Charlie's War. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. So it's Pat Mills who wrote it, who some of you may be acquainted with through the 2000 AD world, uh, and an artist called uh, Joe Colcahoon. I hope I've pronounced that right. Um, so it's, it's absolutely a delight to read. So it's set in the First World War. Charlie, Charlie Bourne, 16 years old, pretends he's 18 to sign up. And it's about history. It's about the horrors of war. It's about the British class system. And it's mostly about, a lot of it is about how scum float to the surface, take advantage, dress themselves up in patriotism as a cover for, for making money, for pro profiteering, basically. It's as far from men and women dressed in spandex, kicking the shite out of each other as you can possibly get. But it's about humans again. And, and superhero stuff, when it's done well, as I've said before, with human interaction it, it is great as well. Doesn't really matter what you enjoy as long as you enjoy it. Good on you. If it gets somebody to read more, learn something and get them thinking and appreciate comic art as art, which it is full stop, then that's the best thing of all. Contact Aiden on his Twitter at Chaotic Comics CR and keep up to date with his store at chaoticcomicscrafts.wordpress.com. There are links in the show notes to his novel, Life and Liberty, and his anthology of prose and poetry, Off the Sea. Both are available on Amazon. You can follow his writing and musings at ablokedyslexic.wordpress.com. Super Dummy production for Fantastic Universes. Find out more at fantasticuniverses.com and superdummy.co.uk slash geek. You can contact the show on Twitter at Era of Geek or by email geek at superdummy.co.uk. You can support the show and Fantastic Universes by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasticuniverses.